Welcome to another episode of Middle Ground with JL Lee. I have an awesome special guest, Chris Matan. He wrote an awesome book, Cheating Death, The Ten Thriving Life Principles. And today we're going to talk about what led him to write this awesome book. How you doing today, Chris? I'm doing great, Jeffrey. Awesome. Thank, thank you, you know, very much for asking me to be on the podcast. Thank you for saying um, yes. Well, <laughs> I, you know, I've listened to your podcast and appreciate and, it. You know, I'm honored to to be a guest on your podcast. And you're the first one on this one because I've been doing it. I was like doing like Zoom and putting on YouTube, but when I came across Anchor. You're the actual first guest since I've been doing it this way. Excellent. Well, then, then I'm truly honored. <laughs> I, uh, the thing that strikes me is, you know, and, and any of your listeners obviously can attest to this, um, just the range of topics that you cover, you know, but you cover them in a fair, a balanced way. You cover them in depth. Um, and so I, I hope that I can do justice to, to, you know, the standard that you've set. Uh, that's, that's, that's awesome praise. That's awesome praise. Appreciate you, fam. So I know I asked you questions last time we linked up. I, what was the first one? I can't remember off the top. I know there was some good so, ones, too. You know, you, and, and maybe that's a good lead-in, too. Like, I, you know, talk even just about how we met. Maybe for a second. Okay, you know, sure. Because because I think I I think I think you li- I think your listeners will understand through the lens of not only what you do through your music, but what I've done through cheating death. Um, okay. Is is kind of how our stories converged? I would say not coincidentally, you know, at all. Okay. Well, it was during the pandemic. I finally finished my degree last year, August 14th. I finished my last class. And I'll start wondering, like, okay, when would they send a degree out? And I think the following week, I got it in the mail, and I was super hyped, like, wow. I finally got it. After I started school in 97, engineering, music management, business management, dropped down 08, Went back in 13 and just been grinding nonstop year-round. And when I finally got it, I decided to record a video about that's the championship. I'm a wrestling fan, and Rick Fair always said, to be the man, you got to beat the man. You got to walk the aisle, style and profile. So that degree is my championship of all what I sacrificed to get it. So when I recorded the video, it was talking about I got it from The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, always saying being the hardest working room, like, you know, this is really true. If you put the time to work in, you'll get the result. I ain't got the job yet, still looking, but I do have that. That's off the board. And then when I started looking at posting, I post on Facebook, Instagram. I be on LinkedIn because I had a business class where we had to develop one, and I haven't really messed with it. I'm like, well, it's a social media platform. You should talk about it on there, too. Maybe maybe someone might be inspired. I had no idea what it would do. So I put it on there. Didn't think nothing of it because I really wasn't always posted on Instagram. I post on all my other, well, LinkedIn. I would post on all my other sites. And I think maybe that night or the next day I checked in, I had like 100 views. Like, what the? 100 views? Wow. Some people I've worked with that left, but I guess they see you on there. Chimed in, congratulated me. Then I'm like, well, I check it every day. 
which started getting me to post. I try to post positive messages every morning. I got that from listening to Steve Harvey in the morning when I go to work. And I noticed that will always get me in the right mindset to do my best work. Even after I get off work, try to focus on whatever goals I'm trying to accomplish. So I figured, well, I could take some of that from him to maybe just encourage someone. And after a few days of checking, it kept growing. The last time I checked it, I think it had 2,700 views, and I was astonished. Like, wow. I didn't think this would do that. I thought maybe somebody might say, oh, if he got it, he could do it. And to see them mean people watched it or reached out, I was like, wow. And so along the way, I just started every morning at break time. I always would sit and let the Lord lead me on what I should try to say to encourage somebody. And I've started on my Instagram and just copy it and go to all my sites. And I've been doing that for a while. And then I finally said, well, you got LinkedIn, start using that one too. And after a while, I noticed from the video about my degree, that's where I met Chris, where he chimed in, congratulated me, told me it took him a while to get his. And he called me a role model. And that stood like role model. I never even considered nothing like that. But I guess he had a good point. I was humbled by that praise. And we've been always liking each other post or encouraging each other to where we finally met since I started doing this podcast and getting more serious about it to get to know each other. And we connected to where he wrote a book that was similar to your life ain't over yet. So you still have time to try to get it to where you want it and enjoy your family and not just go to work, hate your job, get a beer, Cuss out your boss when you're home because that sucks as a life. But if you really, because God made everybody for a purpose, whatever it is. Some have multiple talents, some have one. But to me, that's what you should be doing or striving to do. And his book really kind of tells you through his life stories, you can do that if you start going towards that. And so that led us to where we met and we're talking about this awesome book, Hero. Jeffrey, thank you. I mean, that's... That's one of the things about LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. You just never know who you're going to resonate with. That's true. And I was in, so last summer, I was in the final phases of cleaning up the manuscript, Mm -hmm. getting ready to publish it. And a big part of my story that's captured in the book is about my own experience of, Mm -hmm. of taking 12 years, three colleges, one of which I dropped out of twice, wow. <laughs> and, and finally getting my bachelor's degree, and then recognizing that everything that came after that, nobody ever said to me, hey, Chris, why did it take you 12 years to finish your degree? And, and that's where this, this came to me. I'm like, all the good that we can do, mm-hmm. nobody knows all the grinding that went into it they don't know the dropping out they don't know they don't they don't struggle is real they don't know the struggle (laughs) they think when when they when they say oh you got that wayne state degree on the wall they just assume like oh yeah sure you just went to college and you know it was just you know easy and that's what really struck me and that's why and it was like no it's like you and i both have people 
the whether it be young people that we encounter you mm-hmm. know through church or through other organizations things that we're involved in people reading our posts on instagram and twitter that somebody's going to look at that and they're going to go oh heck i mean as i say throughout my book if anybody is dumb as me who's made the mistakes I've made, yeah. could could do some of the things that I was subsequently able to accomplish. you know. And I looked at you, and I obviously I didn't say Jeffrey's dumb. I looked at Jeffrey, and I said, you know, I said, here's a guy that's been grinding it out 40, and as I learned from talking to you since then, sometimes 60, 80 hours a week at the job, <laughs> and still... Going to the classes at night and oh, and trust me, I know. Oh man, I I, I know. <laughs> I know those three four hour late classes, and then you're back up again the next day at four mm-hmm. o'clock in the morning, and you're doing it again. And so, that's where you and I, without ever having met each other, we met each other. Yeah, you know. So, you know, which leads me into talking about the inspiration of the book. You know. Mm-hmm. I I was reaching a point, you know, a few years ago where I was I was approaching my 50th birthday. Okay. All right. And I I've always I'll say I've always pretty much been a happy guy. I'm blessed mm-hmm. that I have, you know, an amazing wife. Um I've got a beautiful daughter. Awesome. And, you know, if nothing else, no matter what else happens, I know I've got them. But I was approaching 50. And wasn't quite in the in the health, you know, or shape that mm-hmm. I should have been in. Um, and some aspects of my life beyond just physical health, you know, I wasn't probably doing as much for my intellect as I should have been. Wasn't reading as much as I yeah. really wanted to. Wasn't probably as invested in my faith as I could have been. You can go down the list. And sure. I said, you know what? I'm out walking the dog one night. Not quite 50 yet. I'm out walking the dog. And something hit me, and I said, you know what? I'm going to run that next block. Now, okay. I ended up running two blocks. Nice. And, you know, and that would seem probably like a good thing, except that in high school I was a cross-country runner. So it should have probably been expected that I should have been able to run a block or two because that was my thing. Okay. But in the subsequent years, I let myself go. And that's not to say I wasn't doing good things. I was going to work and loving my wife and loving my daughter. But the point was I stopped and I said, wait a second. I said, is this all there is? Am I just a guy that goes into work? Good job. Don't get me wrong. Good Mm -hmm. job. Good people. Um, You know, doing okay. You know, the truck, the car, the vacations, whatever. But I said, is this really all there is? And that running those two blocks that made me think you know maybe i should start running again okay. and i i'm not gonna lie to you i didn't get out there the next day <laughs> it actually took It'll me take a second oh yeah it took me the next couple of months of kind of getting out there haphazardly mm-hmm. and stuff but what i formed in my mind was this image that i was running i was out running the inevitable okay, okay. so i'm running but i'm out running the inevitable i'm out running you know, the Grim Reaper. Okay. All right. And and part of this was also somewhat in this same time period was, you know, going to get an annual physical, finding out I was pre-diabetic and that my cholesterol was through the roof. And I'm saying, what? I'm not that big. 
I'm not. I, I I'm eating kind of. I'm eating pretty good, right? You know, mm-hmm. I'm not not doing a lot of bad things. Um, but it was a wake up call too, because I'm like, you know what? I don't want to die. Yeah. So. This is where this idea of okay, I'm out running the inevitable. That got me to reflect. That got me to reflect upon like, okay, you know, and 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 I probably should you know interject here. My career has been in compliance and ethics. Okay. You know, I'm a lawyer, but even before I was a lawyer, I was a rules guy. I got you. I was a guy that believed there's a right and a wrong. Now, as the book details, same here. I did a whole lot of wrong. Okay, I'm not gonna lie. (laughs) You got it in a little bit. And that's gonna get us into the cheating death part. Yeah, you got it in some. But as a rules guy, as a guy that believes in you know living your ethics, Mm -hmm. that's the part where as I'm approaching fifty. And I'm I'm not quite you know we'll say I've got I've got a little bit of uh, out of shapeness in many areas of my life. Yeah, that, we can touch I, that up a little bit. Yeah, you know, and I and I said you know, um, I've got to I got to take a look at this, and that got me to thinking about things I've gone through in my life. Mm-hmm. All right, and it didn't take me immediately to my principles. What it took me back to was like. Am I squandering this life? And I got to, I got back, and you know, the book, I, I open up the book talking about, you know, how there is so much more to life, but then I recount, you know, three things that happened to me that all happened to involve me in, in motor vehicles. Man. All right. Amazing. You still here, man. Well, Doing some stories. Check the you book know, out. The the if I can and can I just briefly touch go ahead. On, you know go ahead. The, the first one the first one happens to all of us at one time or another, right? Uh, you know it's it's the near miss with the drunk driver. You know yeah. and and you know that was a scary one. I was in college at the time, um, but I had a, a friend of mine's brother in the car with me. Okay. And I'm bringing him back from a church dance. I wasn't even going to church at the time, but for some reason I happened to be available to take him <laughs> to a church dance. And and on the way home, all right, this this Cadillac, nice look, nicely dressed couple. I had enough time to see that, you know, just mm-hmm. come barreling through a red light. Mm-hmm. I had the green. Fortunately, I stopped. Nobody nobody got hit. Yeah. But I saw kind of like a vision of where I could be someday I could I could be that drunk driver if I didn't watch myself you know several years later I had an incident all right where I go to of all places I go to a strip club to meet a client Mm -hmm. all right uh his suggestion not mine but I end up at this strip club Mm -hmm. I'm a you know I was a lifelong beer drinker I didn't have any problem with beer and he says Chris you want a beer and I thought you know I actually had more driving I needed to do that night. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know what? I don't remember the guy's name, but I said, you know, I appreciate it, but I'm going to pass. I got, okay. I've got driving to do tonight. All right. So another incident where vehicle yeah. drinking, not five minutes after I'm back up on the highway, I end up rolling my vehicle. All right. Ends up being a mechanical issue with the brakes. I, wow. didn't, I did not hit anybody. I rolled across all the lanes of traffic. I hit the abutment. I rolled all the way back. And I end up on the cars on its side. People pulling me out the side window. It shattered. 
And I literally walk away from that accident after, obviously, the EMTs and the cops and the tow yeah, truck. Yeah, I read company. that. I was like, wow. All right. And God's covering that moment. Nobody hits me. I'm on a crowded freeway at rush hour. Nobody hits me. I don't hit anybody. I'm like, all right. Now, I don't think I fully appreciated it at the time, but the third incident happened right here in our city of Detroit. And that was an attempted carjacking. Mm-hmm. I'm coming home from work. I worked for a company here in the city. I'm driving, and it's it's a one of these little bump and you know run things like oh you know he'll pull over and stuff and mm-hmm. you know I with my background no I wasn't yeah. pulling over no. I knew better never um, do that and and I you know ended up being chased being shot at having the tires in my vehicle shot out and I just kept racing I'm driving like a maniac figure and. It's better for me to get hit by some cross traffic at one yeah. of these streets than than for me to end up pulling over where I know I'm not going to walk away from that. Yeah, right? it's not going to be like, hey, why don't you go to the payphone and call? For yeah, because they got to chase you. They're going to yeah, be on that no, garbage. Yeah, they they were going to take everything, including the vehicle. And I'm like, no, nah, that's that's fine. And and I end up somehow making it and evading them, and I end up living to tell. All right. Yeah, Two dumb. flat tires and the tow truck drivers, this is almost a funny story, but the tow truck drivers actually didn't want to tow my vehicle because they thought I had been involved in some sort of shenanigans. Uh, they figured if I they figured if I was I I ended up off a off a Grand uh, I think it was Grand River someplace uh, down in a supermarket, you know, <laughs> south south of, you know, south of 7 Mile. Okay. Um, yeah. you know, and and they just looked at me like whatever it was you're up to, yeah, we don't really want a part of this. I'm like, "No, I'm like I didn't do anything." And they ended up towing the car, and the police came, and they took my statement. A detective called me a few days later, and that was it. I mean, I don't know who chased me. I couldn't identify anybody, so that was the end of the story. But here's where it brought me to. Mm-hmm. Here I am. So now, this is years later, I'm approaching 50, and I said, you know what? I could have died. Yeah. I could have died in the drunk driving accident. I could have died in the rollover. If I had been drinking in the rollover, I probably would have gone to prison because they would have figured that oh, I was yeah. the one that caused it. Oh, yeah. Right? <laughs> and, and, if, and I could have died during the attempt at carjacking. And the point was, I didn't. Mm-hmm. I'd been out running the inevitable. God, for whatever reason, said, it's not your time. Mm-hmm. And so little things like the wake-up call from my doctor saying, you know, your health ain't great, you know, was like kind of small compared to that other stuff, but it was enough. Then it got me to thinking, I'm like, Chris, if you're going to live, like, to be 100, you got to change the way you're living. That got me thinking about my principles. Okay. That got me focused in. And what I realized was I had to get right with God and I had to get right with myself. I had to get right with others. I had to get right with money. Yeah. I had to get right with my health. You know, I had to get right with the community because I was obviously, you know, I was too into myself to be paying attention to my health, to mm-hmm. be paying attention to relationships, to be paying attention to my finances. I, I needed to get back to some principle-based living. So that that was you know that was the inspiration for the book and and I know you had asked me you know you know about you know how 
how that developed into the 10 Thriving Life Principles, but I, I just want to pause there for a moment. That's a lot right there, because you go through a lot of stuff in life, and we figure, well, especially as a man, you got a big shoulder, you're going to go through stuff, you keep moving. But it's only when another moment happened to have you stop and reflect. That's when you really see, wow, God kept me through a lot of stuff that you hear other stories, it turned out the other way. I mean, I only got hit earlier this week. Oh. Run errands for my mom, stay up here on eight mile, and always when it's hit green, I don't turn. I'm like, you want you match your Detroit? Just give it a second. Showing up some food, zooming through the red light, like you can't you're supposed to be able to say, Well, I have the right away. Nah, you in Metro Detroit. Mm-mm. Some food is gonna go through the light. And it's been accidents over there on Eight Mile Wyoming area before too. Probably something like that has happened. Mm-hmm. You see cars everywhere, like wow. Someone and ain't nowhere to go. Just wait. Unless there's a life and death scenario, you ain't got nowhere to be to be running through lights. It ain't that serious, but everybody always in a hurry, and it had me. I was mad for a minute. Like, I'm glad God has given me more patience and wisdom. Just say, just wait. You already know what it is. Wherever light you are, if I'm going down side streets, even if it's not a stop sign, you stop like it's a stop sign because some fool is just floating through doing a hundred. It ain't even that serious, but we can get back outside in the world. It's getting a little warmer. And people lose their mind in Metro Detroit. We do get a summer every year. It does happen. It might take a minute. So I'm like, this ain't nothing new. You know it's going to happen. But people lose their mind and start driving reckless. I see more people driving on the phone texting. Oh, yeah. I'm like, dude, you're on the Lodge Freeway. What are you? Let me slow down to 50 and let them go. I ain't trying to be that story. And the moments you have, you're like, thank God I'm okay. Keep going. But you don't sit there like, wow. That could have been the end. And what have I what impact have I made on this earth? Have I lived my purpose to where hopefully you do go to the pearly gates? He will say, Well done, son or daughter. And I think that'd be the most sucky thing to know that God giving you the title. He gave you the genius to create cures for all disease on the planet. But for whatever reason, you ain't trying to be doing it. You die, unfortunately, earlier than what you supposed to. And he, he know everything about it. Like, well, you supposed to die at 110, but you want to smoke that weed and drink, and you died at 25. But I made you to save 2 billion people because you was going to figure out a cure for AIDS. But every time I throw somebody in your life to say, hey, you're really good with science. Why don't you get into that? Nah, I want to do sports. You can do both. Nah, I'm just going to do that one. And that was, he going to probably tell you, that was me sending the angel say, hey, you're supposed to do this. You can still have your fun doing this, but you're definitely supposed to do this. And it's going to help these many people. So it's really a life of not living it just by yourself. We're here to be a blessing to others. And that's kind of cool when you really start getting out of the me mindset of it. Because I never really was selfish having brothers and sisters. But I had to develop some selfishness because some people take advantage of me. And you, you pray, you, God even counts like, hey, hello, McFly. They're taking advantage. You, you, you can say no. But no, nah, I don't want to cause no trouble. No, stand up for yourself. And to me now, 
I look at selfish people like something wrong with you. You don't want to be helpful and you can. Come on, man. It ain't that deep. You can still go do what you want to do. You know right now you should help in this scenario and you can. But you don't. And there be many times when I go through stuff, I'd be upset. God always brings somebody that I can help. And it kind of lightened my mood. And whatever I'm dealing with that got me upset, I'm more, it was cool I was kept that person out that really needed. Sometimes I'd be a Walmart or Meyer, someone need gas money. I'm thankful I got the money to give it to them. And it really just changed your whole outlook. Because Bishop Butler always would preach a word of faith. If you want, a, you want a friend, be a friend. You want love, give love. And it's kind of true. If you really want those things in your life, are you giving them out? Because to me, it's cosmic balance. Everything comes around the circle. So if you're trying to be a decent person, looking out, God going to put them type of people around you to keep you good. Because seed time harvest happens every year. So if you've been a dirtbag, it's going to come back to you. And at my job, I've seen directors we had that came in being a dirtbag. People scary like, y'all need to calm down. They ain't going to be here long. Jeff, how do you know? Seed time harvest. This person is, first of all, I had him in resource class. So everything they're doing right now is just so many grievances that are winnable. They just going to do that one thing that's going to be too much for their boss. Say, you got to go. And every time they did. How did you know they do? Some of it's common sense. You can't be walking around in a company doing craziness. That's not good for business. <laughs> so if you can't do that at your job, why would you do that in life? Because someone's going to come at you. Now, if you're in these streets doing too much, you're going to deal with somebody. Mm-hmm. So you shouldn't be doing that. You should try to live out your purpose and look out for people you know and have a great life. And it shouldn't be, especially, unfortunately, in my community, it's always, if you get out the hood, close the door. So that person that can't eat, starving, they don't come rob you now. That's what you're saying? Like, that's, you can help them come with you. Why not all y'all eat at the big table? Ain't that a better look? Instead of just you eating all the, all the filet mignon, lobster, like, that's going to be kind of lonely. So I kind of have that mindset we all should be good. And some people I know, like, you trying to be Captain America. Well, I mean, Cap principles ain't that bad when you really look at him as Superman or Jesus. You really just look at it. They had a Jesus principle. Always trying to do the right thing. They all considered the Boy Scout. That's how we look at a really good Christian. Oh, you trying to be like Jesus. It's not a bad thing to do. You don't have to be problems in your life. Everybody will get a job test. It's going to happen. But you being on the Satan side with everything, there's a lot of famous people that took that route to fame and their life was horrible. The Judas path. They smiling on TV, but it's so much they got to do to maintain because they didn't do it without compromising. So you should try to be a blessing. And some of them principles you have Similar or biblical. You should look out for family. You do need to reevaluate yourself. Get right with God, self, and family. And are you living your purpose? Or have you asked him what your purpose is? Because a lot of people do, I see on social media, be trying to ask, well, 
Okay, what's the purpose of this life? What I'm here for? Like, well, you seem to be good at marketing. I'm assuming I might be the talent he giving you, but you ain't really doing nothing with it. Well, yeah, I can do it in my sleep. That might be the talent he gave you, but what you doing with it? Um, you still can do something else. He ain't say you only got to do one thing. I don't see that in the Bible nowhere. You can have 100 talents. But the one he wanted you to do, that's what we should be doing. And I think everybody really at some point try to find it, but the way they go about it, they might miss the mark. You remind me of, you know, something I've heard people say, and that is, that, and, and it was, it, you really touched on it when you gave that analogy of you could live to be 110 and, and you know, find the cure for cancer or for AIDS, but you had to do the other things and, you know, you die at 25. And it reminds me, you know, I've heard people say, the worst thing would be to go to heaven and to have God introduce you to the person that you could have been. You know? Yeah, and, wow. And then, you know, to, <laughs> to realize, like, you meet yeah. this person yeah. and you think this person is wonderful and they're an angel and God says, no, that's who you were supposed to be. That's you. You know, and you just, you hit right on that. You know, this is where, yeah. this is where <laughs> we all find ourselves, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, you just captured the principle so beautifully. All oh, right. Well, thank you, sir. I mean, we could, we could literally do, you know, we could do an hour on each of the principles and that's not what we're here to do tonight. But you, you know, you touched upon the universality of the principles. You know, I am the first to admit, and I even, I touch upon it in the book, mm -hmm. as I introduce the principles, I did not make up many of the concepts that underlie the principles. Mm -hmm. and, you know, they are universal across cultures, True. across faiths, you know, around the world, you know, people cherish their family. Mm -hmm. You know, pe people, you know, try to, you know, optimize their physical health. They try to, you know, you know, work with their community and, you know, expand their communities, extend opportunity equitably. So I just want to, you know, I want to focus in on just a few of these concepts because you just really captured it so beautifully. And that is, you know, when, when we get beyond ourselves, you know, that's where the magic really happens. But before we get to that point, and this is where, mm -hmm. where I went with principle one. Okay. Okay. Um, is, you know, and, and, and even before principle one, I just take a step back, is, is what I found myself doing at the age of 49 and a half was pressing pause mm -hmm. and then doing a reset. You know, and it's not a reset like one day, oh, everything's all, all wonderful. It's setting in motion that process to say, Things got to change, and I've got to be the change. But that leads into that first principle, and that first principle is, you know, speaking your truth. And for for our friends who've been involved in twelve step programs, this would resonate also with yeah. with the first step. Okay, that's and the hardest one. This is, you know, this is the radical accountability that I had to go through. Mm -hmm. Okay, where. I couldn't blame, you know, anybody else for many of the things I had done in my life. Even when I speak about dropping out of college, 
you know, the book goes into in, in detail some of my financial, you know, social, emotional, mm-hmm. you know, pitfalls. I caused those. You know, it wasn't like, you know, nobody was paying for I, I had to put myself through college. Fortunately, I had earned scholarships initially. Mm-hmm. And then when I lost the scholarships because I, you know, started getting bad grades, well then I had to foot the bill myself. There was no mommy and daddy writing big checks. <laughs> That's not where I come from. Not okay. me neither. <laughs> but, you know, I had to admit that I was causing these issues. You know, if, if I was drinking too much mm-hmm. and not making it to class, if I wasn't paying my bills on time and that's why my car got repossessed, you know, if I was having relationship troubles, when I did the honest reflection on that and I, you know, I had to speak my truth. My truth was, Chris, you done screwed up a whole <laughs> lot. And yeah. that, that's where... You know, the universality of that is whether that means going to talk to pastor because Mm -hmm. you've got something on your heart that you've got to get off your heart, whether it's maybe, you know, we're, you know, we're in the midst of mental health awareness month. It might be going and talking to a counselor. Mm -hmm. Okay. Which I strongly encourage because, you know, you hit the nail on the head. If God hasn't taken us home then that means he still has a purpose for us. And that means nobody should be suffering, whether it's guilt from sin, whether it's struggling with emotional, you know, mm-hmm. or, or mental health. You know, folks have got to seek the help of a professional, a friend, you know, their pastor, mm-hmm. somebody, before True. they go off and do anything permanent, that takes them from this earth. You know? That's true. Now, you know, once I had taken stock of myself and realized, all right, Chris, you don't have anybody else to blame, then it's like, all right, what are you going to do about it? Mm-hmm. You know? And and that was where, you know, I realized, I'm like, all right, I started looking at, well, all right, my body's not where it needs to be, mm-hmm. you know, both inside and out. You know, and this wasn't a vanity thing and stuff nah. like that. I didn't care. It wasn't it it's it wasn't like, oh, I gotta look like Mr. Olympia or nothing like that. God makes us all different sizes, mm-hmm. heights, you know, everything else. It's it was like no, self checkup. It's it's like, no, my heart is going to end up killing me if I don't do something. So, you know, that was one aspect. Intellectually, I was getting stale. You know, I was kind of I was kind of resting on my laurels of the things I had learned in school okay. and the things I had learned through my professional training. And I, I needed to do a better job. And where I needed to probably focus the most was leadership. So I started stepping up my reading, um, you know, you know, looking at, um, you know, emotionally, mm-hmm. family, you know, those were pretty good. But I still needed to tune those up better. I needed to make sure that I was giving the love. But there's another important aspect to this, mm-hmm. and I get into this with you know, uh, you know, with with uh, you know, emotional bliss. Is we also have to understand not only are we not perfect, but the people around us are not perfect. That's true. All right, and that's a big theme of my book because God knows I'm not perfect, and I still make mistakes. But it's also accepting that others are doing the best they can. All right. A lot of us had issues with parents, yeah, grandparents, mm-hmm. uncles, 
ants, all right? People did some bad stuff to us, all right? Or they did bad stuff to other people, mm-hmm. okay? Maybe, you know, I know it was the case in, in my house, you know, father walked out at an early age, okay? Um, I have a wonderful relationship with both my mother and my father today, but it wasn't always that way, mm-hmm. all right? But we, you know, we, we have these different things that are done to us before we're old enough to really be able to take care of ourselves. But as we get older, we can't perpetuate those things by using it as an excuse to do unto others those same horrible things. That's true. All right. So, you know, as I continued to reflect on, on how those principles were in my life, yeah, I was not a bad husband or a bad father, but I endeavored to be a better husband and to be a better father. But, it, but part of this is, and you'll see, you know, you know, this extends into the workplace. You got to take people where they're at. All right. Yeah. People are loving us the best way they can, albeit imperfectly. You're dropping some jewels right now, man. That first principle had me do a self-reflecting. I found at times because I saw people would look to me, I would try to be perfect. I'm like, I'm not. Yeah, I made mistakes. And. It's okay if I let people see that. So they see it's okay you made mistakes, but you get back up and keep moving. Because only perfect being is Jesus. And if you're looking at me thinking I'm perfect, no. It's days I don't want to come to work. They're like, really, Jeff? Like, but you come every day. Yeah, because that's what I should be doing. I can't see calling out work just to waste my time just because. Like, So I'm going to sit at home and be bored. I can just go do what I should be doing. And go do what I want to do when I'm done. You know, if you... I really believe in a man's post to stand for something. So, you start something, you finish it. If you got a job, go to work, do your best work, go home. You always be a man. Don't let nobody mess with you. That's okay to defend yourself and stand up for yourself. Verbally, you ain't got to put your hands on nobody. But I found some people will feel, well... You might have the in crowd at your job and they always trying to be the one to make the most jokes, mess with people and all that crap instead of just being themselves. And whenever they would come to me like, I don't joke like that. So stop that right now. Dang, Jeff, you know that. They kind of call me pastor. Like, I'm not that perfect. I guess I'm humble. My dad was a pastor, but I have just basic life principles. You're not doing that with me. It's too early in the morning. I'm not a morning person. Give me a minute to... Be cordial. How y'all doing? I was worse when we used to work 5.30 in the morning until 1.30 p.m. Because I was doing music at the time. And up till time to go to work, doing piano homework, ear training, music theory. I didn't look at nobody. And I found, because I always try to be like Clark Kent at work. Just go to work, be quiet. Don't let people know you crazy, funny, cool. Because they ain't going to get out your face. They're going to want to have a conversation and I ain't trying to talk early in the morning. And some people would tell the supervisor, this was around 03, Jeff don't never speak to no one. I wind up being late, and she told me, I want to talk to you about this, Jeff. I'm like, what's wrong? Well, your coworkers feel that you don't try to be sociable. Normally, I can stay Clark Kent. I turn to Lex Luthor, like, what the hell? They care about me speaking to them? Go do their job. Stop drinking coffee, talking to you. And when I, get, when I rent, it comes off comedy to some people. She dying laughing like, oh, you are silly. I'm like, dang, I messed up. Now she know. 
You, you can't be quiet around me no more. Nope, you messed up. Nope, ain't no more coming. Hey, grab your keys and leave. Nope, you're going to talk to me now. Like, see, I'm not trying to do that. I just want to get in and get out of Wayne State. I ain't trying to, but I start learning over time. You're supposed to make an impact wherever you go. That's what real men do. And you make an impact for the better. So they should see that witty side of you because you might be able to. And some of them I did help over time when they had issues. That's it. So when I did reading the first principle, it really started looking at that side of you that you always, I'm going to be the robot. Hey, how you doing? Grab your keys, go home. They need to see the real you because you don't know what people are dealing with. And you can stop them from hurting themselves or hurting someone by just saying, hey, it ain't that serious, man. I know you got some Decepticons around you. Like, what you say? Like, yeah, Decepticons. I watch cartoons. You know what that is, Optimus Prime. Man, I, I know you got that look like you want to lay hands on someone, so don't do it. Pray to Bob and keep it moving. Like, I appreciate that. And I ain't thinking nothing of it, but then when I be working, the Lord had kind of taught me, like, that's why you need to be you at work, because that person is going to kill somebody. Like, oh. Okay, I guess I do not. I do need to get my man right so when I go in, I can, might be a hero to the spirit if someone do need just a laugh. Hey, how your day going? How you doing? You all right? Because some people do have that look like, man, I'm sick of this. They got one more time. Like, oh, no, nah, we don't want to. Hey, man, I ain't trying to duck from no bullets. What was wrong? You okay? And they and instantly they start laughing like, I'm good. Like, nah, you weren't good for a minute. Hey. I ain't as young as I used to be. I ain't trying to be, don't be doing that. I ain't trying to be on the news like they were so nice and they snapped. We can't have that. We're going to be peaceful. And they were like, Jeff, you crazy. Like, but you smiling now, so we good. Because right early, you were just straight. Whoever it did, I don't know, wife, husband, whoever, but they clearly had that. I get off work, it's going to be on. Like, mm-mm. And I found it's okay to be me because I didn't really want to be me at work. Like, nope. Clark Kent, you don't need to see Superman. Gone with all that. I don't care about your life, your problems, but we are a community. And you see these people more than anybody, so I would like to be in a peaceful environment. <laughs> so it kind of helps them out. And that's pretty cool, too. You can engage people and they learn something. Because some people, you never know where they're at in life. You don't know what the devil's saying to them or what they think they're doing. And you can just, that simple act of kindness can plant that seed to get them to listen back to what God wants them to be doing. And they can go help some other people. You have just illustrated the eighth principle oh, wow. to, to the nth degree. Because, <laughs> you know, as I said, you know, everything, I call it the 90-10 plan when I talk about it from the physical standpoint. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's, that's where I try and eat well most of the time, but I'm not turning down chocolate cake. Okay. Because you never want to insult the woman that brought the chocolate cake to work. You know, and you're not going to insult your aunt or your grandmother when she makes cookies. So I always say those people that want to be 100% perfect in anything Mm -hmm. are going to end up imploding at some point. But what you just mentioned, okay. That's that's principle. You know when you know. Uh, I'm sorry. I said principle eight. Principle seven. Principle eight. You did begin to touch upon too. But principle seven. You know, expanding your community, and that is where you came out of the Clark Kent, and you realized, wait a second, a kind word, a smile, mm-hmm. sharing compassion, 
you know, that, wait a second, that's easy for me to give, but that may be exactly what that man or woman needs to pull them back from the brink. Yeah. You know, and I talk about this, you know, this is not a book about becoming like, you know, the next Warren Buffett nah. or Jeff Bezos. <laughs> nah. This is about everyday folks like us and like our listeners that say, wait a second, how do I make a difference in my community? Oh, I go to work and I smile at the receptionist. Mm-hmm. Oh, I go to work and I know mm-hmm. the name of the security officer who's let me in the building. Mm-hmm. Oh, I say hello to the man or woman that's empty in the trash can. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all these simple things. It's going to the supermarket and recognizing that 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 woman or man that's checking my groceries has probably been doing it for 10 hours and their legs are dog tired because I can see it in their face. And it's me just saying, hey, I hope you're doing OK today. Yeah. You know, they superheroes through this pandemic. It's, it's this. Yeah. It's like it's crazy. You know how many opportunities we have. You mm-hmm. know, we could be coaching kids. We can be helping young musicians, you know, we can be helping young authors, you know, we can be just doing the simple things. It's not us going out and writing big checks and, no. you know, and, and trying to do everything like, like we're all superheroes. We can be everyday heroes mm-hmm. within our sphere of influence. That is true. And, and that's where this podcast, I mean, you, you've talked about, you know, things... You know, I mean, you, you talk about cultural issues, you talk about local political issues, you talk about, you know, how real people are dealing with this pandemic. You know, you're, you, you are touching upon things that folks need to hear. And so, you know, which you start to touch upon that next piece of that, and that is, you know, the eighth principle is extending opportunity equitably. All right. And that's been important to me because... I'm not going to lie. There's many times, especially as I've grown in my career, mm-hmm. you know, where people look at me and go, oh, well, yeah, of course, you know, you, you probably had it all, you know. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I've been blessed <laughs> to be an executive. Uh-huh. I've been blessed to be in the boardroom. I've been blessed to sit on boards. You know, yeah, I, I, I grinded and I grinded, and eventually, you know, poor boy makes good, okay? The problem is, is people look at, you know, a person at a point in time, and they just assume, oh, yeah, mommy and daddy probably just made it all happen. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, 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 no. And that was, that's, that's part of what I need to bring out in the book, because every single one of us has a story that people don't know. That's true. You know, but the extending opportunity equitably goes back to you and that graduation post last summer. And that is that whether it was certain professors, certain advisors, you know. (laughs) Man, that journey. You know, I, I mean, can you think of somebody, can you think of somebody that recognized the talent in you that gave you the encouragement to to go back to school, to continue, to get that degree? Um, and it see. may have been more than one person or, you know. It was a lot of people. One was just being a regular worker at Wayne State Custodial Department and seeing how certain leadership wasn't really caring about the workers like you should. I'm like, okay, 
I'm barely making what thirty thousand. Like this ain't life. God didn't make me just to be doing this. You gotta go back to school because if you want to have an opportunity to do others, you need that piece of paper. So you really see that piece of paper is very valuable. You can work anywhere on the planet with it. It opens the door to opportunities. So if you have any skill set you really want to use, you can get that opportunity to get a chance for it because you got a college degree. Check. But you can have all the skills, but, oh, you ain't. Uh, we really love you, but you ain't got that. You know, my brother-in-law, he's a phenomenal electrician. But for years, he didn't really see the value or I don't know if he was hesitant to take the test to get his journeyman card or whatever you call it. I know it's journeyman something. But when he finally did, he blew up like Biggie used to say, like, oh, you do see the difference in having that, that piece of paper now. Money looking better than what it was when you just doing it on the low. On the low. So that really made me, my sister would tell me to get back to school, female friends or my homies. But it was really just sitting and working like, okay, this is it. I think you also had, nah. did you have an advisor, though, that, like, kind of helped you craft the path to oh, finish your degree? It was the head of the music department of Wayne State, yeah. Dr. Nora Duncan, phenomenal dude. He was over, I would call them the A-team of the um, Wayne State Choir. They were the ones, we had, like, have have over three-point GPA. When they came in, when I was in Wayne State Choir, because we were, like, the, the misfits. You just need this requirement, you just got to do it. But when they came in, symphonic chorus, I believe. It's like they pull out their music. He hit his hand up and boom, we hitting them notes like, oh. Oh, that's the 18 right there. We, we just, we, we can harmonize a little bit, but when they come in the room, they going to win the competition. So he finally moved up to the chair of the department. And when I talked with him, he was like, okay, let's be real. You still have, because I took most of music class, but you had to do an instructional thing with a tutor, with a teacher. That was a few hours. I'm like, okay. I still had, I still had the ear training to finish because that was hard to comprehend. I had one more theory in the piano class. You're like, well, you're still looking at about 20 classes. I'm like, I ain't gonna cuss around this man. But I had that look like, what the? He like, the goal is to graduate, right? If you go to business management, it's the same as music management without the music classes. I'm like. What you say, Willis? I'm like, yeah. You'll be done quicker. I like you. He put me on the path. And along that path, I laid in the building I was working in because with business, you had to do math at Wayne State. Now, with these new people, well, you got accounting, finance. We can get rid of the math requirement. Like, I did all the math stuff early millennium to do engineering, and now I got to go back through it because it's still requiring. But as I'm about to be done... Oh, they ain't got to go to that night. That's some bull jive right there, man. Like, okay, whatever. So, I'm struggling with the math. Like, well, I done 093 before, but I know I'm going to have to get to 1500. That's like pre-cal for business. Like, I don't know about that. And a lady told me, oh, you need to go see Kim Morgan. I'm like, who? Oh, yeah, she used to work up here. She, 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 she'd give you the game, Jeff. Like, okay, I'm going to check this lady out. And when I met her, nicest lady you ever meet. I call it Yoda now because I was not good at math. I could get by, but really just any type of math problem, problem solving or anything, the concept of the fundamental of why you need to figure it out. 
that was well, I'm dumb as rocks with that. So she really got me to understand because at the time I was in 093 and I wanted to test out of what 1050. So I was tutoring with her for 1050. And I'm like, okay, cool. So I had to be double minded. I'm doing the basic one, but I'm having refresh with the trig. And I never really knew you need to write down math. Probably. Anybody doing math in school, write it down. Any good tutor will teach you that. And you'll start seeing how to go about figuring out the problem. And sometimes if working overtime or tired, Jeff, wake up. I know you're doing 093 and we're doing a totally different one at the same time. But come on, I need get your mind right. Like, All right, cool. And I still love it to this day. I couldn't get off work to take the test, so I had to take 1050, but I dominated. I never dominated math. He'd do quizzes, whatever you want. I'm dunking, pushing people to the ground like, what? Say my name. And I never knew the teacher was telling her about, man, I got this student. He, I'd be having to add points to other students because he just be hitting A's. I'm like, Kobe, what? Me on test? I was never that dude hitting A's on tests in math. So I'm like, oh, yeah, this working. She, she got me right. But and I'm still a little mad. I need to let it go, but it still burn me grits. I didn't get the little extra points. So for me to get an A out the class, I needed to do great on the final. I got a C on the final. He, I was like 89. He gave me a B. I'm like, dude, you, I'm tutoring other people in the classroom. I, I can't get one point. And you telling her about, man, I got this student like Kobe, he dominant. Oh, that's your tutor? Wow. Like, I couldn't get one point, dude. So I could say I actually got an A in math. I never got. Like, all right, whatever. But she really coached me up. Then I had Stacy Lynn for accounting. First time I took accounting, got a D. I didn't know. You need to get a laptop. <laughs> you need to do those projects early in advance. And I was a horrible student. Second time around, I learned living in the county lab. I got real cool with she like family. And she really had me to see how county works. And once I figured that out, I'm like, wow. I couldn't get to my graduation without dealing with those classes. Because even when I had finance and it got challenging, I recall the lessons both of them taught me. And I would get I got through it. I got I got a D, but D's count. I ain't taking this over. I'm sorry. <laughs> I get an A and everything else. But them two were very instrumental in me getting my degree. And I thanked them on Facebook about it because, man, I was not that dude with the numbers. I could do everything else. And they really broke the code on how to not look at the numbers and get scared. So I guess you can apply that to life. Anything looking at it might seem complicated, but everything's simple. And I found people where I'd be pulling trash in certain departments. A person saying, well, I'm about to take stats. Oh, my God. Like, stats not that hard. And I was never a number guy. I passed that one. And I'm telling this girl, like, look, it's real simple. All you need to understand how the equations work. You figure that out, you're going to run through it. She passed. She graduated. And I'm like, wow, I was able to. I was never that dude to tell you not to worry about this math stuff. But they really gave me the game and confidence where you could do it. And I think your principles is similar to that type of tutoring exactly. for life. I mean, this is, again, you're illustrating everything, so I'm not going to go on at length. The extended opportunity equitably is that each of us has these gifts. 
mm-hmm. whether they are gifts we've acquired because somebody taught us or whether they're the gifts that our creator's given us we must be willing to extend that opportunity to others that's true so this you know obviously it's easy to think about it in the workplace but it's as important to think about it in the classroom it's yeah. important to think about it in society um you know too many times and this could be a whole nother podcast too many times folks make judgments about us yeah based on our job title oh man based based on based on <laughs> i've our, been there when you stay our zip code yep based on the mm-hmm. color of our skin yep. our gender maybe we have, maybe we have an accent you know what mm-hmm. you know ethnicity all sorts of things people will make judgments mm-hmm. that have nothing to do with our work ethic mm-hmm. with our intelligence mm-hmm. with our with our passion you know and character character you know it it's it's so important for us to err on the side of extending the opportunity mm-hmm. and maybe it doesn't work out quite perfectly and we're back to that things ain't perfect but we have to extend the opportunity because somebody extended opportunity to us that's true we're not living in the street we're you know we're, we, we weren't mm-hmm. we weren't cast off you know somebody said okay you know what I'm gonna give you a chance on this team I'm gonna give you a chance in this band mm-hmm. I'm gonna give you a chance at this job we have to remember that wherever we have gotten in our in our you know creative pursuits in our career in our community is because many as and you even just named many people many people mm-hmm. have been there to extend a, a hand to each of us and I'm not talking about a handout I'm just simply talking about mm-hmm. opportunity an open hand a handshake, mm-hmm. a hand up, mm-hmm. you know, somebody vouching for you because maybe they knew a member of the family, you mm-hmm. know, and they're like, yep, I know Jeff, I know Chris, they've got to be good guys because, you know what, I, I knew his brother, you know, or, or I know mm-hmm. his boss. And so, to me, the most selfish thing we can do when it comes to this is to say, well, you know what, I'm happy with my good old boy network. You know, I, 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 I'm just going to stay with the people. I'm going to stay mm-hmm. with the people that live near me, look like me, mm-hmm. went to the same school as me, got the same job as me. If that, that's going to be my only friends. Just going to be us. And to me, when we do that, it may not be out of malice. No, it's it could comfort. Be, it could be comfort. It could be, but you mm-hmm. know, it's lazy and it's unprincipled. Yeah. Because... When we look across history and we look at, you know, folks that have, back to what you said earlier, scientific advances, okay? Think, think about the women with the hidden figures. Oh, yeah. Okay? Brilliant women right, All right? there. When we think about individuals that have accomplished great things across the arts, the sciences, mm-hmm. the humanities, in sports and elsewhere, Okay. If all we're going to do is live in our little enclave within our own little minds, and all we're going to think about is, well, you know what, I'm going to hire her because, well, she's just like everybody else in my department, and I want everybody in my department to be the same. Mm -hmm. 
we lose a lot. A lot. <laughs> we lose. We lose productivity, creativity, innovation. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's what that's what principle eight was 